Craft Beer Radio, episode 229, November 26, 2012, Thanksgiving Day. Welcome to Crafty Radio. I'm Greg. And I'm Jeff. And that is whatever ridiculous video we just found on YouTube. Yes. Uh, we are at show two. It's had almost 90,000 views, so it's not completely ridiculous. But uh, we're, we're the beer show with the beers. And this is uh, episode 229, a prime number show. Which makes it special. Makes it special. And uh, we are doing a bunch of lagers today. Yeah, We're live got... up because we had a big meal. <laughs> yeah, it's Thanksgiving, Greg's cheat day, so Greg ate a lot, relatively yeah. for his new capacity for eating yeah. a lot, and I ate a lot for anyone's capacity of eating a lot, <laughs> so I'm stuffed as well, and I'm not going to eat much for a week, but so we're going to do some fewer beers, lighter beers tonight, just so we don't explode. Yes. Uh, and next week, I assume, we'll be back to uh, big, strong beers that everybody loves. I wanted to mention before we started that you made a tweet um, earlier that I responded to. Was, this was a couple weeks ago, but I don't know if we ever talked about it. Were you talking about the, the stages that beer has gone on? Oh, and, oh uh, yeah. I only had so many characters. So, yeah, what, the one that you pointed out, I realized I didn't have room to yeah. write. So We're there, talking about meated beers. Like the like the um, the bacon one from Rogue would be an example of a meated beer. I don't know if that had actually meat in it, but it had the the spices and the smoke. Yeah, the, the donut one from Rogue. Yeah, the Voodoo Rogue Voodoo, Voodoo Donut. donut. But uh, there was some some other reason I posted that because someone was talking about doing a meated beer, and. Uh, you know, in Charlie Papazian's Joy of Homebrewing, there is a recipe, kind of a joke recipe, but a recipe of using a, a chicken in the beer. So the idea's been around for a hmm. while. But my, my tweet was, my first tweet was, which year will they add meated beers to the GABF judging? <laughs> right. You know, and my guess was like, you know, three years out, there'll be meated beer category. Uh-huh. Um so then I had another tweet. I don't know if it was before or after, but it, I said something like the third revolution or the fourth, you know, craft beer revolution. And I said, you know, hoppy, strong, barrel aged or something like that. You said, I think hoppy, strong, I, I left, think you said hoppy, strong, sour, and you left barrel aged Yeah, I left barrel aged yeah. out. And you said the, 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 the fourth one may be meated or something. And, and I said, I would argue that it, would, it went hoppy, strong, barrel aged, sour, and the next one is fruited. Yeah, I'm not sure I would. We were, we were. I mean, there's already we we nailed sour. We knew that before before everybody was saying it. We we yeah. said the next thing will be sour, mm-hmm. and it was. So you're thinking fruited is going to get, but fruited's been around. It, it's around. It, yeah, but it's uh, not going to be. But so it's sour's been around too, but it hasn't been you know really super popular like it mm-hmm. is now. It hasn't you know it wasn't like every brewery had a sour offering. Uh, I, th- I think fruity fruited is already too popular to become the the new thing you know, out of nowhere. But. I think we we've we've gone through a lot of beers that have uh, much more interesting and much more well developed mm-hmm. fruit sure. in them. Uh, I think that the the brewer skill with fruit has become much more apparent. I agree. I think brewers are using fruit better, but I think since it's always been present, you know, I mean, it, it has. I mean, it's always been. Brewers with you know one or two fruity beers in the lineup. It's just not new. It's better done. It's it's it, people are learning how to use it better. Right. Less gimmick, more substance. Right. I mean that's what's happening to fruited beer, and that's noteworthy. But I I, I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if we start seeing more beer that have with bacon meat. or smoked meats or who knows. I mean, <laughs> uh, don't, don't make me go off on bacon again. Ay, ay, ay. He's writing down bacon. I, we, I, I know you have a thing against bacon. I don't. I, I have a thing against overuse of bacon. Yes. I don't want to make people think that I hate bacon. That's not what. That's not the case. But I don't want everything I I eat or drink to taste like bacon. <laughs> if I'm eating bacon, I want to I want to eat bacon. 
If I eat a scallop, it shouldn't taste like bacon. Okay. okay. There are beer. <laughs> Back to the actual beer. This is the uh, Five Rabbit Gold Nail. Uh, Five Rabbit is in uh, someplace. Where are they? This says they are in... They're somewhere. They exist. Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Monroe, Wisconsin. Five Rabbit Gold Nails Malta with... Uh, I'm reading everything off of a phone. I don't have my computer with me. Minhaus Craft Brewery. Uh, so Five Rabbits Gold Nails uh, malted with European Pilsner and Vienna malts. It's hot with Zotz and Moteca. That's new. It yeast is a natural ale strain at cool temperatures, i.e. a lager yeast. Original gravity 1.052 or 13 degrees Play-Doh. Alcohol by volume of 5.3%. Oh, it has a beautiful aroma. 32 yeah, I wasn't IBUs. sure about this one because it's kind of a, a Mexican-style, you know, beer, right? The You know, Cerveza de Oro... Yeah, it says, you know, Five Rabbit is a cerveceria. You know, so you expected... No, they make... You know, there's some Mexican breweries that make good beers. You know, Vienna Lagers are very well done down there. Mm-hmm. But I was expecting something more of a... You know, it said Golden Ale. I was expecting more of a cream ale, something along those yeah. lines. But when you so smell this thing... When you smell this thing... Boom! Hops! Yeah. I mean, it, the Zots. It's, it's a spicy, continental... There's a little bit of... Oh, it smells so good. It smells... What? How would I put that? Uh, a little herbal. Something... Like a fresh... Oh, it's so hard to describe. <laughs> it is kind of... So maybe, you know, if you take something like a piney herb, almost like rosemary, but you'd have to think of a very dull, like not fragrant, but still green and resinous... You know, because there's a lot of resin there. So, like, if you take, like, you know, one part, I hesitate to say rosemary because it really doesn't have that fragrance smell. But it has, like, the other parts of rosemary. I'm not getting so much rosemary as I am getting some kind of citrus peel, maybe orange peel. Um, Hmm. Okay. There is some citrus there. Uh, But what's really drawing me in in is is the herbal, uh, the, the resiny... Like an evergreen shrub or something, or it smells more sweet to me and kind of biscuity. And and while I do smell that kind of zotsy spice to it, I, I don't know if I if if I'm getting the same kind of herbal notes you are. If I am, they're they're muted by the the citrusy notes. Well, let's see how it tastes. It, the color is sort of a, a, a rich golden. Yeah, I, I love the smell. It almost reminds me. I'm trying to think of like what's it remind me of. I'm thinking it's the Latitude 48 deconstructed with the Zots. You know, like mm. where it's you know. I'm thinking that kind of reminds me of that. Mm. That's I like it. It's pretty bitter. There's a lot of hops in there. Yeah, bitter on the tongue. Lots of carbonation. Really zingy at first, and then it kind of hits you with. Uh, Mango? Uh, yeah. it, I mean, it, would you say it comes across like an Imperial Pilsner? A little bit. Yeah. I, in terms of the, uh, the, the mouthfeel, feels strong and a little, um, a little viscousy, a little mm-hmm. bit more viscosity than you're used to. And, and so that, that's where the Imperial thing comes in. I, I don't know. Uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't taste as overtly hoppy as an Imperial Pilsner does, but definitely is hoppy. But the the flavor, hmm. yeah, the flavor I'm getting is what was that fruit we had last time? Um, not not grains of paradise, but uh, it looked weird. But it was good fruit. Um, it's not grains of paradise, but it's it's paradise fruit or something like that. Um, I'm I'm drawing a blank on when last time was. <laughs> I can't remember the last time we actually pulled fruit out. I mean, last time no, we, we didn't actually, actually have the fruit, but oh. it was in the beer oh, or something beer. like that. Oh, we were talking about. Um, it looked like pomegranate, passion, passion fruit. Passion fruit. There you go. I taste a little bit of that here, and and the mango. Like, when you're saying last time we had fruit, I'm like, I think the last fruit that we cracked open was, was a durian. durian. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't like that at all. No, this does not taste like durian. Thank, <laughs> thank God, this does not taste like durian. If you like your. If you like your onion mushy and rotten <laughs> and custardy <laughs> and delicious, 
<laughs> Greg definitely had receptors not too Ooh, into durian, where yeah. I was a lot more accepting of it. And uh, yeah, I took it into work, and a lot of people tasted it, and no one really had a strongly adverse reaction to it. I mean, actually, maybe one person did, but most people were like, interesting. I'm not sure I'd eat a ton of it. You know, and, you know, the worst part about durian or durian shakes is, you know, once you've committed to it, you've committed to it because you're going to be burping the stuff up for like the next couple hours <laughs> and tasting it over and over again. I, uh, glad, glad I, I didn't have to keep that. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. If people don't remember that story. We're out in the garage. We have the thud Dorian. I got the meat cleaver. And I start chopping it open. And as soon as I crack the husk, the smell hits Greg. And he's already a few feet away. And he walks back like 10 feet. He's like, oh my god. And I'm sitting there cracking it open. And it, I really didn't smell. I mean, I could smell the fruit. But it it wasn't like... It, it wasn't objectionable. But when you read about people talking about what durian tastes like, you hear about rotten this and disgusting that. And Greg must have been set up to smell all of the worst of the durian or something. I, that's kind of what I smelled. Uh, I mean, the fruit didn't taste like it smelled, but the fruit didn't taste any any better. Uh, but the weird thing is, okay, so you have that. So so you, I was really sensitive to that, and you are not. But then there's also the stink bug case where it's reversed. Jeff was really sensitive to the stink bug. I don't smell them at all. Or if I smell anything, it's just a nice herbal background. We're going to squish a few for you. <laughs> I threw one in the toilet the other day good place to get rid of them is in the toilet because they can't get away and generally when they're floating in water they don't stink until you start peeing on them that pisses them off they don't like getting peed on <laughs> it's sunk up the bathroom yeah so there you go don't pee on your stink bugs that you leave in the toilet i don't want to flush them down because that's a waste of water this is important important lessons that we're imparting yes, on people exactly. today don't pee on your stink. this is this is what thanksgiving is all about getting together with your friends and family and imparting life lessons <laughs> This beer is tasty. I mean, I'm calling it, it has all the, I don't know the alcohol in this. Do you have the alcohol in this? Yeah, uh, it was 5 point something, 5.3, I think. I mean, that's a little bit lower than it tastes. I mean, it tastes like, you know, those Imperial Pilsners that you're used to tasting. You know, the Sam Adams, the Dogfish, you know, that's just, has it very potent. You know, when you get the Zots in mass quantities, it has a certain resiny type flavor to it. Not just that floral spiciness you know it gets more resiny and you're getting that this is wonderful i'm really enjoying this beer i don't know if i'd call it as wonderful as jeff does but i'm definitely enjoying it um it's uh it's a little the, the bitter is a little starting a little kind of over done and i'm not sure if uh you know i'm, I'm not the biggest bitter fan in the world but uh it, it is very nicely done and it's got a, a good profile to it, and I like the the other flavors that are coming mm-hmm. out of it too. So yeah, uh, I like the biscuity malt. Um, I'm I'm enjoying it as well. It's I mean, if anything, it's a little oppressive, right? It's not mm-hmm. you know the rest of these beers are probably going to be nice summertime drinkers, very um, play you know very just free and playful, and you know no committing no tarnishing your palate where this one's a little more oppressive on your palate and it's going to just be like hey you're drinking me eat some pasta with this (laughs) get something down with this get some of the bitter out Uh, maybe some cheese would help maybe a gouda or even even an emmentaler like a swiss would actually work pretty well with this i think you just need some fat Mm -hmm. to lubricate yeah i hear you i think you know i'm tasting gouda i think Swiss could work too, but when you say Gouda, it's like, yeah, it's something a little more, you know, where it, I'm not sure how the nutty of the Swiss would really play with this, but it's hard to say. I'm not a huge Swiss cheese fan. I like it, you know, on occasion, but mm-hmm. it's not, definitely not a go-to cheese for me. Well, I mean, make sure you don't have process and like, oh, do it like a real Emmental or like, you know, do something mm-hmm. along those lines. Hmm. This has a nice lasting head. We have a story about head. We'll probably bring it up later. Um, but there is actually beer news. Beer news! Turkey, 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 gobble, gobble, gobble. Not bad. All right, Jeff, what's next on our loggery list? 
let's do the two Pilsners next. We'll do the Great Lakes. This is a relatively new beer from Great Lakes. They just started doing it this summer. This is their The Right Pills. As opposed to The Right Stuff, I guess. Cause it's, but it's right, like the Wright Brothers. I, well, it's Wright Brothers because you they know, start the Great Lakes Cleveland. does everything Clevelandy, And um, the Wright Brothers were from... I think they were from Cleveland, but they were from someplace nearby. Mm. And of course they took their airplane down to Kitty Hawk, North Carolina, to do the flight. So I always, I always, you know, people live in this part of the country probably have noticed this. People live out west probably never have, but you got two competing license plates. You got North Carolina, whose slogan is first in flight. Right. And you got Ohio, who's the birthplace of aviation. <laughs> Slugging it out. Uh, yeah, they, they flew for 12 seconds. Let's make that clear. <laughs> they flew for 12 seconds. All right, so this is a classic Pilsner. It's actually available year-round, 5.3% alcohol by volume, 35 IBUs. Cleveland, Ohio. Yeah, they have a little, uh, little write-up here. I'm not going to go through marketing speak, but they mentioned that it's based on the original formula from the city of Pilsen in Bohemia. Bohemia. You know, Bohemia. Um, I should have said, Bo- I said in- Bohemia because that's how they say it in Mexico, and they probably don't say that in Czechoslovakia. So it's not like Czechoslovakia that. anymore. I know. But it was for a little bit. <laughs> it's the Czech Republic. Yes. Um, so they, they probably don't store this in caves either. No. But it is in keeping with the Bavarian Purity Law of 1516. whoop de doo No chemicals, preservatives, or poisons are used. Well, I'm glad they don't use poisons. That's part of the reason they made the rule, so you wouldn't put the... Fish berries in there. You don't put your, your your turpentine or your antifreeze inside of it. Oh, here's okay. So, have you have you ever heard of chalk beer? Chalk as chalk, in chalk, C H O C, from the Choctaw Indians in Oklahoma. No. Okay, so there's this historical. No one makes. You can't make it anymore because it was a beer brewed with tobacco and fish berries. Okay. And so it had, you know, other properties. Are fish berries like fish nuts? No, <laughs> fish they're, they're, they're some mildly poison berry, I think. Okay. Um, but, you know, you, so my I haven't had it. I've read about it. It sounds fascinating. There is a brewery in Oklahoma who's making chalk beer, but, you know, um, TTB legal chalk beer. So no tobacco, no fish berries. Or, um <laughs> so I'm not sure how it's really chalk beer. I'm curious if anyone listening, especially if you live it's in... It's like North- I'm making a gruit with uh, barley. Yeah. And- <laughs> exactly. So if anyone's listening lives in Oklahoma, awesome. North Texas, who's ever had the opportunity to try, honest to goodness, chalk beer, drop me a line. I'm definitely curious to know more about that. So mildly poisonous in the sense that like, it's a hallucinogenic sort of? So it, is, is that what's going on? Because it... Oh, it's been a little bit of time I mean, about it. I mean, if you think about it, alcohol is mildly poisonous. Well, right. It right. is a toxin, so. Okay, so here we go from the uh, Digital Library of Oklahoma State University. Uh, I'm sorry. No, fill, it's okay. The, dead the, air the, 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 you said chalk beer, and you said the Choctaw Indians, and I, I've heard people call each other the Choctaw, like a doctor, but I, I was like, chocolate doctor? What? <laughs> What's going on there? But I guess it refers to some sort of Indian tribe, the Choctaw. Yeah, they were an Indian tribe out of Oklahoma. I wonder, I'm trying to scan these um, paragraphs, but I don't see that. Oklahoma. There we go. A uh, compound of barley, hops, tobacco, fish berries, and a small amount of alcohol. So it was kind of a session beer. Um... It doesn't really say too much else here. <laughs> uh, there could be yeast, sugar. So they, I mean, rice to, to get barley and hops, they had to get that from Europe. So this is after they had. This is not something they had natively. This is something that after they had encountered. Eighteen ninety four. White milk. Okay, eighteen ninety four. To the U.S. Congress claimed that Choctaw beer was a compound of, you know, I just read barley, hops, tobacco. So. There you go. Yeah. Those Native Americans, you know, taking some Western 
you know, uh, culture and, and ingredients and making their own, making their own booze because I guess there wasn't too much booze here beforehand. Well, I mean, they they seem to be uh, stereotypically there's you know they were more susceptible to the effects of alcohol than we are from our European brothers. I'm guessing they hadn't encountered... I mean, maybe they had. Maybe... I don't know. I mean, you would figure they would have had to have encountered something fermented. Yeah. Beforehand. I think things just fermented. I'm sure someone found a sweet, yummy liquid in a tree somewhere from fermented honey or something. Well, I mean, the thing is, though... Especially in North America, there really was not a whole lot of of things in, until more global trade happened. There was not a whole lot of, of fruits and vegetables mm. that we eat a lot. I mean, lots of stuff from South America, stuff from Europe. But I think the only one is like the Jerusalem artichoke. I think that's it. Oh, so you don't think there was many fruits native to be interesting? Not not many. Uh, Sugar-rich fruits. Yeah, yeah. Not many of those. Not many ones that you see all all around. I mean, there was cactus fruits, I guess, and there were certain types of stuff, but... I mean, it would make sense. I mean, it definitely seems... I mean, you know, they were susceptible to a lot of our diseases, smallpox and whatnot, and it was devastating to them. And, you know, you also hear about how, you know, they have, they, uh, have an inclination to have, you know, take to alcoholism. So they haven't had that experience that... Uh, selection to be able to yeah. tolerate, you know, alcohol, or I don't know how to describe that. Right? Selection pressure—that's what it is. It's a selective pressure, right? But you know, I mean, because but there's you know research that shows that you know other parts of the you know people from other parts of the world have evolved to get calories, you know, useful calories out of alcohol, right? Right. Um, but I guess it has to be in your environment before you can be selected for that. And if there, yeah, if there was nothing that was readily fermentable, I mean, sure they had corn and stuff. But if they hadn't undergone, you know, if they haven't discovered how to cook it, gelatinize it, make it fermentable that way, then it may, you know, it may not have ever mm-hmm. happened. And and the corn they had is not like the corn we eat today. <laughs> it's very different. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. That was a long aside. I just wanted to put a line out to say if anyone's had chalk beer, I want to hear about it. Yes. Send us uh, send us all your tweets. Send us all the tweets about chalk beer. I would like to hear about chalk beer. What does this smell like? This smells like a thing. It's uh you know, the hops are not nearly as oppressive in the nose on this one. You know, you're getting just a little more balance. You're getting a little, little spicy hoppiness, but you're just getting that that pilsner malt. You're getting, yeah, uh, bready, a little bit French bread crust. That French sort bread of thing. doughy. It, it it smells good, but I mean, really, you know, jump past that. Get into the flavor because that's where this beer is in shining for me. I'm really enjoying the flavor. It's it's curious, you know, in the label they talk about Bohemian pilsner. I'm still trying to figure it out because, you know, it really seems more Bavarian to me. It has that little bit crisper flavor to it, you know, uh, a little more, excuse me, I'm trying to figure out the words I want to use here. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, seven years doing this show, I'm still not clear as the difference between a Bohemian and a, uh, um... And the other one. <laughs> Bavarian. Bavarian. Damn it. Other than Bavarian would have been first, right? Actually, the, the Bohemian. The Bohemian would have been first. Yeah. Okay. I mean, when you think Bohemian, you think like some sort of hippie. <laughs> That's what I used to think. No, yeah. uh, you know, Pilsner Co. is kind of the gold standard that's bohemian pills and it has a bit of a fuller body to me where a bavarian is typically more attenuated and thinner okay um i'd like to think that bohemians remind me more of graham crackers they have a more graham crackery type flavor to it um where the hops are there but they're kind of but i want i'm trying to figure out if i want to make this statement but i think i will 
Bohemian. Your tongue is your own. Yeah. What's that? Your tongue is your own. Don't. Sure. I, I know, but I just want to make sure I agree with what I'm about to say, other than just coming off the cuff that I don't even you know, making sure it's not in line <laughs> with all of my thought process. But Bohemian, the malts are equal, if not slightly, ahead of the hops, where Bavarian, the hops typically are ahead of the malts. You know, they're a little bit hop forward. Okay. All right. So I pulled up the BJCP while we're talking here. And let's see. So 2A is German pills. 2B is Bohemian pills. And 2C is the classic American pills, which we're not even concerning ourselves with today. Uh, Bohemian pills. um, Aroma. Rich with complex malt and spicy floral zots, hop bouquet. Some diastoles is acceptable. So they say malt and a spicy floral zots hop. For German, they talk about features a light grainy malt character. Sometimes now this is funny. They use graham cracker under the German one when I consider graham cracker to be a Bohemian characteristic. So it shows what I know. Uh, typically features a light grainy malt character, sometimes graham cracker like, and distinctive flowery or spicy noble hops. See, I think there's that more distinct hop thing, you know, with the Bavarian ones. I would go with this as taste Bavarian to me then, because right. I can taste a little bit of the graham crackery mm-hmm. thing in there. I can actually taste that in the okay. background. Uh, I can, yeah, it, it, a little more uh, crispy and, and hoppy. So, back onto the flavor, the German one, the Bavarian, crisp and bitter, mm-hmm. with a dry to medium dry finish, moderate to moderate low, yet well attended maltiness. Let's compare that to the Bohemian, which is rich, complex maltiness combined with pronounced yet soft and rounded bitterness, right? See, so the the German one is dry and hoppy. Yeah. And the Bohemian is rich and malty. And maltier. With a soft bitterness, right? Yeah, so I'll go with the German one with this one. Me too. Now, they don't say that this is a Bohemian style. It could just be marketing speak, right? Because all the Pilsners originated out of Pilsen. Yes. So, you know, then they kind of split further down the road. So maybe they were just riding towards the roots and not towards what this beer was. So if you're if you're wondering about the American one, just think corn. <laughs> think DMS. Think sulfur. Low to me. Uh, see flavor. Uh, moderate to moderately high maltiness, similar to a continental pilsner but somewhat lighter in intensity due to up to 30% flaked maize or rice used as an adjunct. Slightly grainy, corn-like sweetness. Like Like I said, corn. Mm. It's good. This is actually the first time I've had this. You know, this has been in our fridge for a little bit. This was... um, we were oh, supposed man. to drink this by August. We just got your sound. Your yeah, we were supposed to drink this by August 29th, but I think it still tastes fine. Yeah, yeah. No, I, th- I think it, it survived well. I mean, I, I think that's the thing about uh, if you keep them at, at temperature mm-hmm. and they're made well, they, mm-hmm. they should stay okay for at least, you know, a, a couple months, if not, you know, maybe a year. Beyond that, mm-hmm. I think you're you're pushing it. Right. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, you know, these beers have been in the fridge. We've been wanting to get to them, and there's just been so many other things. You know, we had some beers sent to us by listeners that we wanted to get to and whatnot. So, yeah, these kind of... But I actually was avoiding the right pills because I knew I wanted to do it on the show. Yeah. So, you know, it's been six months that I've been seeing this thing around, and I've been avoiding it. <laughs> I'm glad to actually try it, and it didn't disappoint. It's a, yeah, it's really it's good. Mmm, Yummy. All right. Well, let's talk about the uh, the big scientific. Uh, I wouldn't say discovery so much as. Uh, well, I guess it's kind of a discovery, but it's more of a manipulation. There are some scientists in somewhere, and they found out how to make beer foam last longer by changing the genes of Saccharomyces cerevisiae. So, so they. What they basically found was where the yeast that have more manoproteins, M-A-N-N-O proteins, or mantos is, uh, 
Actually, Mantos might be part of the protein. Yeah, Mantos is only half the protein, looks like. Um, it maintains head better. And there's a great little diagram in this article here on Popular Science. You'll be able to search for it if you search for beer foam and pop sci. Um, where they show that these Mantos uh, proteins are kind of like, imagine a barbell where there's two ends to it. And one side is hydrophobic, which means it's scared of water. And the other one is hydrophilic, which means it likes water. It's a lot like soap. One side is hydrophobic, but it's also, it, it, it attaches to oils and dirt. Mm -hmm. And the other side is hydrophilic and it attaches to water. And that's why soap cleans you. Yeah, so these are basically straddling the wall of the bubbles where it's making them stable, right? Because one side is sticking to the water. The other one is saying, don't put me in the water. Mm -hmm. So it's holding that bubble stability. That's basically what they're doing. The curious thing for, for me and you know for people at home brewers is they talk about, um, let me find it here. Uh, over the last few years, a series of papers reported that some of the manoproteins responsible for foam stability don't come from the barley at all. So they must talk about how it comes from barley earlier. Uh, they come from the yeast. Basically, as a beer ages, the yeast start to die, and some of them autolyze. You know, autolysis, that's where they break down and start tasting like band-aids. It's really not what you want in your beer. Um, lost my place. Autolyze. Yeah. It's uh, a good word. Yeast start to autolyze. And the components of their cell walls, the manoproteins, end up floating free in the beer. Most of the studies carried out on Saccharomyces ale yeast. But they talk about how when you have more of these manoproteins free-floating in the beer, you have more heads. So one of those things for homebrewers, maybe, you know, notice your older beers are more heady. That could be, you know, because the yeast are breaking down right. and making your beer more heady. I so you, Greg, you obviously don't want beer to break down, like Jeff said, because it gets you band-aid. But what this team has found out is a way to put this uh, gene from another type of yeast into beer yeast. So the idea is that if this, you know, if this goes forward, you can have a yeast that just simply because of the way it does its whatever it does at its genetic level, it makes better, more matter proteins, which gives you a better head. Uh, uh, this picture is, you know, they have photos here of like time and whatnot. So here they have, so they must have, did they, I guess they, they made a yeast that must have been deficient of the gene. Here they're showing the Weinstefan yeast and then the special special 1B yeast, which is and the special 1B has less head over time than the Weinstefan does. Hmm. So the the special 1B was a genetically modified Weinstefan yeast. Um I'm curious like the scale of these test tubes or whatnot. They look like they look like staunches, they look like um, you know, um Kolsch glasses. And it says after sixty minutes there's still like a good inch and a quarter worth of head on on the the Weinstefan beer after 60 minutes <laughs> maybe i don't know it just that seems a little like a lot of head for that long of time i i you know it could just be because it, it may be very small it may be a really mm -hmm. small amount and, it could be um they look like stonches though <laughs> they look like, the scale so it's a neat little article um and if you get into the science the chemistry of of beer and what happens in beer. You can definitely read through this and, you know, seem smart in front of all your friends. Yes. That was, uh, that was tasty. What's next on our tour? Cleveland. Let's do the other pills. The other pills from Cleveland. This is the POC Pride of Cleveland Pilsner from Cellar Rats Brewery. This is, they call it a Czech Pilsner at 5%. That's all I got. They are in Madison, Ohio, which probably a suburb of Cleveland, but for people who know, they're dialing in a little bit closer. Great price on this beer. You got this uh, um, Chalet Premier for $1.79. Yes, I did. More yellow than the other ones. The other ones were golden. This one is, is pouring a, uh, a bit of a yellow. It's got um, about a finger's worth of a fluffier head than we've seen before. Jeff actually is pouring his with a lot more head. Because I'm vigorous like He's that. He's vigorous. 
But these just had also beer in them so that they retain head better. They're dirtier. More manoproteins. Mm. Or mantos. Mantos, the fresh maker. The head maker. <laughs> <laughs> that just could be taken wrong in so many ways. <laughs> mantos, the hands of fate. Hmm. I'm just trying to, to discover something new in the aroma and I got a lot of head and sometimes that interferes with really yeah. smelling what the beer smells like but if I'm smelling anything new upon, above you know a little sweeter Pilsner, it's a little sweeter you're getting any kind of mint or wintergreen or anything or is that just you know me having a stroke <laughs> I hope it's not you having a stroke having a stroke having a stroke having a stroke <laughs> It's uh, I'm I'm wavering on this one. I'm gonna go straight through the flavor here. here we go. A little cloudy, so it appears not to be a filtered beer. Can't really see your fingerprint through the glass, but you can. see This is a finger. pretty small brewery. There, uh, they didn't have much information on their website. Their website was kind of a blog-like thing that kind of usually signifies they're very small. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot more of the malt character up front. Mm. A little muddy in terms of the flavor, which can come from a beer that's not filtered. Mm-hmm. Uh, it tends to be a little bit muddier. The things don't stand out. It's a good way to hide off flavors, but it also gives you a kind of lesser experience. Yeah, small brewery, so there's no date on the bottle or anything, you know, that having a dating machine or something that would inkjet or laser on the, you know, date on the bottle. It's beyond the means of most of them. Uh, <clears throat> so, you know, the small breweries, it's, you know, probably generally a good idea to drink them fresh, right? Because they're not going to have the same quality control, yeah. you know, through the bottling process. They may or may not sanitize their bottles coming off the pallets from the manufacturer. And uh, so shelf stability could be questionable. So and it's just an issue of cost, man. You know, it, it, it's not the that it's not that the smaller breweries are you know less qualified to to give you good beer. It's just that these things cost money, and yeah. you know you can only really get this super awesome stuff when you get bigger. Well, you know, it's it's just a, it's a trade off, right? Do you how long do you want your beer to be shelf stable for, and how much is it going to cost to hit that goal, yeah. right? And you know, so people have to make hard decisions. You know, they can't make something that's going to be shelf stable for eight ten months if they're not willing to pasteurize it you know uh or you know or something lesser you know one of those things along those lines uh, you know i mentioned like they may not sanitize their bottles i don't know how many breweries do this but i know heavyweight brewing you know when they were open he had good luck with just taking the bottles right off the pallet putting beer in them and and selling his beer that way you know that fit his goal of that shelf stability. It's shelf stability. generally not going to be a problem. You have enough alcohol, you have enough pH that you're, unless you have a a a, a very tough little bacteria mm-hmm. or something in there, you're generally not going to have a problem. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it all depends. I mean, it's, it's really you're you are. It's kind of an unknown. You would hope that the bottles are coming, and you know, not you know, getting all kinds of nasty stuff in them, but. Yeah, so it's really up to the brewer on what steps they take to make their beer shelf stable. Um, that was a long lead-in because I'm not really tasting anything off in this beer, but it might not be as bright as mm-hmm. it once was. When you mentioned it's muddy, muddy, you know, maybe the hops were a little bit brighter six months ago. It's possible. It's, uh... I see it. Yeah, I'm having trouble picking out the hops... Or like what kind of hops? I mean, I can taste the hops in there, the bitterness, but we'll have a little trouble with it. You know, it takes some balls to name your beer Pride of Cleveland Pilsner. Well, I don't think it takes balls. Okay, arrogance? <laughs> I, I think it's just, you, you're trying, I mean, it's like East End puts a huge Pittsburgh thing on their on their draft, uh, whatchamacallit, pullers. It doesn't say it's the only Pittsburgh. No, 
I think what's interesting here is that these labels are just stickers. It's it, they're not. They're even, actually expensive, really, compared to these other ones because you know these other bottling lines need gluing machines and stuff like that. Um, these this is actually one of those uh, vinyl stickers. Like I was able to peel it off and actually get almost all the adhesive off the bottle too. You could, if it was a cooler label, I'd stick it on the fridge, you know, the beer fridge over in the other room. But yeah, no, <laughs> no, it's kind of got a. A blue rat on it and it says will infest you yeah it's a little <laughs> kind of gross <laughs> to be totally honest with you I, I think i picked it up because it was pretty cheap and that you picked up two or three from Celerat. yeah i mean the beer's the beer's fine i mean yeah no, had it, two really good pilsners before this there, one. there's nothing wrong with the beer there really isn't and but it you'll you'll probably find i mean the other two were, were considered less muddy and, and less uh just, it, it was easier to, to pick out flavors and, and to find interesting stuff to talk about. Mm. That was the pride of Cleveland Pilsner. So I was just thinking about Thanksgiving and um, mm-hmm. the the dish that uh, that I enjoyed the most, which is not which is unusual for me, uh, because you know there's a whole bunch of different stuff I enjoy. Like I love mashed potatoes and I love. Cheese, you know, <coughs> cauliflower, cheese, all the stuff that I usually would okay. eat. But the dish I ended up enjoying the most, I think, because of my diet, was was the stuffing. Because I don't ever get a chance to eat bread, mm-hmm. and it was just like this bread soaked with. Dirt. Oh my god, it was so good. stuffing! Oh, it was so good. It was awesome. I was missing sweet potatoes at dinner. My mom doesn't do sweet potatoes. I'm like, oh, I could sure go for some any kind of delicious sweet potato, either casserole or just. Roasted or anything. there was uh, there were there was a sweet potato casserole that we had also butternut squash butternut squash and butternut squash ravioli. Oh. <laughs> there was some good stuff. What else do we have? Um, there was a uh, a Creole casserole with like andouille sausage. Oh, it was so it was really good uh, and. I don't know. Just give me that bowl, and I'll I'll skip the turkey if I can have some Andouille Creole casserole, man. The yeah, the the, the turkey w- was was not the star, not at all. My mom bought Thanksgiving dinner from Giant Eagle. So I heard about this. You 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 buy the whole thing, so you you obviously don't have to work that much. But just keep it warm, basically. Yeah. Or reheated. I don't know. Uh, she got the turkeys. She got green bean casserole, mashed potatoes, um, stuffing, all from Giant Eagle. And then she made some um, vinegar, vinegar cucumbers, which is you know a dish she normally always makes for dinner. And that's a good dish. Um, and she was so happy she didn't have to cook dinner. I'm like, I don't know. It takes all types, right? Yeah. For me, the whole point of Thanksgiving... It's fun to put on that show, dinner yeah, party. Yeah. That dinner party. You know, it's fun to do that. So, but, you know, I guess it's not for her. But It's like a performance. It really is. But, but you're letting your food do the do the performing mm-hmm. instead of you. But you but you did all the stuff to prepare it. No, it's I, I, I agree. That that's kind of it's it's almost cheating, right? It's the the, the turkey, the white meat was dry and every everything was I, everything was like it was almost like it was it was cooked for so long well, everything was tender and falling off the bone but I couldn't even slice the turkey breasts the breasts were tearing apart even with a moderately sharp knife uh-huh. it was so flaky and everything so it was like eating pulled turkey everything was pulled turkey you know it was just yeah. shredded turkey everything and um, I just ate exclusively dark meat because it was the only thing that wasn't that still had flavor in it yeah so palatable uh, the stuffing was too salty the green bean casserole was good but no one liked it because they used frozen green beans instead of canned green beans. So? Um, frozen would be probably better. My family, Heather's family, have this thing where green bean casserole requires overcooked canned green beans. Overcooked pasta. If you're using fresh or frozen green beans, it doesn't taste right. I think it tastes good then. it Actually, it's worth eating. Yeah. Um... But yeah, everyone except for me didn't like the green bean casserole. And two years ago, when I did Thanksgiving from scratch, 
you know, where I didn't open a single can for Thanksgiving. I, you know, I did fresh green bean casserole, and you know that didn't go over so well. Heather likes the the canned green bean flavor. My mom, my sister, everyone uh, that I know thinks green bean casserole isn't as good as if it's canned. I was listening. I was driving around on Saturday or Sunday, whatever day the Splendid Table airs on NPR, and the host, uh, Lynn Rosetta Casper. Uh, she tried the same thing. She tried to make a gourmet green bean casserole, put it up against, you know, the Campbell's soup green bean casserole, and people prefer the canned one. They they like the cream of mushroom soup, right? And the canned green all beans, all the salt and stuff. Yeah. No, I mean, people like comfort food, mm-hmm. uh, and and the whole thing about comfort food is the comfort part. It's the part where. Just tastes like my mom used to make it. It doesn't matter that it's better for you, or that even that necessarily. I mean, unless it tastes incredible, people are going to be like, "Oh, yeah, okay," but this is not like mom used to make it. If you're like us and you've been doing this sort of thing over and over and over again, uh, you've expanded your palate considerably. You want to try the new stuff. You want to try the interesting stuff. The stuff that doesn't taste. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, the DMS and the other stuff that comes from the canning process. You want to have the fresh stuff. Well, it's like... That's and, not everybody. And actually, this one that my mom had, you know, it had big chunks of mushroom in it. You know, mushroom was a big part of the green bean casserole. I really dug it, you know, a lot more than the cream of mushroom soup from Campbell's, which is, you know, if there's mushroom, it's pureed into the soup. Right. You don't see it, really. I, I dug it, um, but no one did, so... And I thought that was the best part of the store-bought meal. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we're drinking the Dog Days Dortmunder style lager beer from Two Brothers Brewing in Warrenville, Illinois. 5.1% alcohol by volume, 17 IBUs is the seasonal available from April through August. This one has a drink by date of August 27th, one day after my birthday of 2012. Two Brothers is the uh, the brewery where we had a bottle. We didn't know anything about the region, you know, just outside of Chicago. And uh, the the uh, the, late, the beer was uh, Dom, Dominique Dupage, right? But like oh, it's all French sounding, so it must be Dupage. <laughs> and we got feedback back yeah. saying it's not Dupage, you idiot! It's like Dupage River or the neighborhood of Dupage or something like that. <laughs> North for sales, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so this they call this a Dortmunder. When I smell it... It does not smell like a Dortmunder. It smells like a Saison or something, yes. doesn't it? It has a, it has a, uh, a farmy mm-hmm. smell, and... Yeah, it's, it's, it, may have gone, it may have gone sour. Maybe, but it's one of the best by August, so we're a little beyond the expiration date. Um doesn't smell bad. It it just smells like a different yeah. beer. It it smells either saison or it, it doesn't really have a farmhouse leathery breaded smell so much. I would have to stay with saison, but maybe some other Belgian. Um, maybe there's a hint of triple in there, but, but maybe you could go like an Albrun, something along those lines. Something something sour though. Something you think you think it's soured. I think so. Just from the aroma. But let's give it a taste. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> hmm. It's uh it's breaded. It's got bread in there. You're right. You're right. It definitely is bread. It it's kind of middle it's halfway there, right? Where it's it's kind of bleh. You know, there, it's not all the way to like, oh, this is an yeah. awesome mistake yeah. where it turned into this awesome sour beer. Maybe if we give it another six months, it would turn into that awesome sour beer. Let's pour beer. it back into there and bottle <laughs> it up and see what happens. Yeah. No, it's it, kind of in transition yeah. where you can see that it might be going in the right direction, but it's definitely not the beer that they packaged. Yeah, no. It, and it, it, it's, it has, kind of me, it's kind of mediocre in the flavor right now. It's a pretty strong, you know, bread, and, and bread gives you this sort of chalky... Uh, chalky, pithy flavor. It's very distinctive. Um, 
So whatever there was a Dortmunder is no longer a Dortmunder. It is some sort of breaded lager, and that's that's just weird. <laughs> that's just weird. Actually, my next sip didn't taste didn't taste so bad. It didn't taste that just gray mud, bland, muddy that I got in the first sip. Now I'm starting to dial in a little bit more. If you too. say so. You drink it. Craig's giving me the glass. He <laughs> he's pouring this one out. It's a dump bucket beer. Mm. All right, let's rank this thing and close it up. All right. Well, I, since I don't have a computer, I'm gonna have to do this the old way and write them down by hand. Jeff, you're number one. Go. All right, my number one is gonna be the Great Lakes Right Pills. Um, very good pills, Bavarian pills. Just had a great balance to a good drinker. Mm-hmm. Even, you know, many months expired, still tasted wonderful. So I'm looking forward to trying a fresh one and seeing what it tastes like. Number two is the five, excuse me, Five Rabbit from, uh, the, oh, it was Five Rabbit Cerveceria. Their Golden Ale Cerveza de Oro. Uh, Imperial Pills type flavor. I called it wonderful. It was just a good drinker. Number three, I'm going to put the Cellarat. Um, again, a little muddy compared to the first two, but it still had a great clean flavor um, and really stretching the limits of shelf stability for a small brewery, I would think. You know, it's just, you know, give, you know something that was probably best by August. We're drinking it at end of mm-hmm. November, and it still tasted pretty clean. You know, I got to give them a thumbs up for, for doing that because, yeah. again, with small breweries, you really can't... Um, and then it shows... Dog Days definitely had some production problems, and it got a little tiny bit of Brett in there. And that was and it, enough. It, it stole the beer. Uh, the, I want to, to point out for full disclosure purposes, uh, Cellar Rat, we, we both poured out a glass of it, but that's not because we didn't like it, but simply because we all had a lot of beer. So we're just kind of, I'll, I'll, both of us just kind of like, mm, okay, yeah, we, we get it. Uh, but the other ones we, we drank completely. Just full disclosure on that one. Uh, yeah, you're not going to drink this one. No, no. Uh, I agree uh, with Jeff. But uh, what I'm saying is that we would have drank the mm-hmm. uh, the Cellarette come to completion on another show. But I think the, sure. the way we feel. Or if there was only three beers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Great Lakes, number one. I, I agree with Jeff. I think that was a, a really good uh, beer. Although, yeah, I wouldn't say it, it, it's like Pilsner or Kel. It's more graham crackery mm-hmm. and spicy. Uh, the Five Rabbit wasn't it wasn't to me as wonderful as it was for Jeff, but I still liked it. I still liked it a lot, and I think it's definitely worth your checking out. The Cellar Rat was, um, yeah, I wouldn't be opposed to get to you know to having some more Cellar Rat and other stuff there. It, it, I, I think it was good. I think it pre- yeah probably would be better fresh. We, and, had, we had the Amber a couple weeks ago. I think yeah. it was a post show beer or something like that, pre show beer. But. And the Dog Days, well. <laughs> There's a little bit of uh, leathery dog stuff in there. I, I don't know. It, it may be a hard luck loser because it may be great fresh, but we don't know. This, yeah, is, this it, is not the beer that was intended. This was not a Dortmunder. Absolutely. All right. Thank you. See, bleh, bleh. Thank you, everybody, for listening to Craft Beer Radio. We have a website, which uh, craftbeerradio.com, Facebook, Google+, and Twitter. On Twitter, I am at Jeff Bear. I'm at CBR Greg. And we have the email, beer at craftbeerradio.com. Thank you for listening, and we will talk to you again soon. Happy Thanksgiving!